You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. They are being hit from every side with Paul's logic and truth. He says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, what was the blessing of Abraham? It was salvation by faith. When he says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, what was the blessing of Abraham? It wasn't his money. Hello, church. It wasn't his riches. That's not what it was. Well, he was rich. He was the richest man on earth. That's not the blessing of Abraham. We like to think that we always know what's best for ourselves in life. We enjoy making our own decisions. And when things don't go our way, we try to blame anyone but ourselves. In today's message, Pastor Jeff explains how Jonah does this very thing, and even still, God looks out for him. Jonah directly disobeys God, and it's not until he starts following God's plan that his life begins to flourish and turn around for the better. Trust in God's plan for your life, and He will never leave your side. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 3 as he continues his message Who has bewitched you? If you don't do these works, you will not be saved. All other people are saved exactly the same way, says Paul, by faith alone. Isn't that beautiful? All the cults will tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you better go here, go there. If you don't perform and behave and do, 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 then you will not be saved. But Christianity, real Christianity, is not a cult and it's not a religion. It's a relationship based on faith through grace. Now, in verses 7 through 9, he says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Who preached the gospel to Abraham, everybody, according to this verse? God. What was the gospel? Believe me, Abraham, if you believe what I'm telling you, you'll be saved. God preached the gospel to Abraham. He said, believe me. And if you respond in faith, you're going to be saved. I'm going to declare you righteous. So he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all the nations are going to be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. I want you to read that again with me, would you? Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Do you know that you're blessed with Abraham tonight? You are blessed with Abraham. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm blessed with Abraham. I'm blessed with Abraham. That's what we're told. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He was declared righteous and saved. You and I believe the gospel and we are declared righteous and we are saved and we are blessed with blessed Abraham. Now, having ended verse nine by talking about a blessing, Paul next draws attention to three things. First, he mentions a curse. In verse 10, look what he says. As many as are under the works of the law. Now, here's where he's going with this. Before I read it, watch carefully. He's gonna tell them, you wanna follow the law? Is that the way you want to go? Do you Galatians really want to get away from grace by faith? And you really want to follow the law? Is that how you want to get righteous? Then let me tell you what you're in for. He says, as many as are of the works of the law are under what, everyone? The curse. For it is written, cursed 
is everyone who does not continue in how many things? All All things. Wow. (laughs) We can't even do the Ten Commandments. Forget the whole Pentateuch, all five books, everything that is in there for us to follow. Forget that. We can't even do the Ten Commandments. But he says, if you don't do how many of them? You are cursed. I don't know about you, but there's one thing I don't want is to be cursed by God. Now he says, cursed is everybody who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. You see where Paul's going. He's saying, you want to leave grace and you want to go back to works? Well, good luck, rots a ruck, because if you don't do them all perfectly, you are cursed. So if you want to leave blessing and go to cursing, be my guest, says Paul. Since the Galatians had suddenly become so enamored with the law, have their wonderful new teachers also informed them of the dire consequences of not keeping it perfectly? What did Paul later say the the law was there for? It was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ a schoolmaster that whips us into Christ. God didn't give the commandments for people to follow them perfectly. He knew we couldn't. He gave the law to show us that there's no way we could be righteous by our own works. He gave us the law so that we could say, I am undone. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? I can't do this. I can't live these things. What am I going to do? And God says, that's what I was waiting for you to ask. Because I've got a Messiah on the way. And when he comes and you put your faith in him, it's going to all be done for you. Because right now you're under the law of do, then you're going to be under the grace of done. So hang on, because the law is a schoolmaster. He says, so enamored with the law, did they, did they tell them? about the consequences of not following it? Have they told them about the curse of the law spelled out in morbid detail in Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 26? Deuteronomy 27 records a dozen curses and chapter 28, a half dozen more, followed by a series of horrifying illustrations, all in store for those who don't perfectly keep the law. Oh, gosh. Without reading the whole thing, you ought to go home and read it and thank God you're under grace. Without reading the whole thing, suffice it to say that here's a few. Disease, drought, deportation, losing your home, and dread would be visited on those that didn't keep the law. Now that's four D's I don't want. Disease, drought, deportation, and dread. That's cursing. I like blessing. I like peace. I like joy. For me, it's all summed up in the verse I'm about to read to you, which I think is one of the most chilling verses in the Bible. God said, if if, if you don't keep the law perfectly and and you depart from me, here's what's going to happen. In the morning, you will say, would God it were evening. And in the evening, you will say, would to God it were morning. You hear what that's saying? Life is so bad when you're under a curse that when you wake up in the morning, you don't want to face the day. But then when night comes and you're going to be ready to go to bed and go to sleep, you know you're not going to be able to sleep and you know your sleep isn't going to be good. So you dread the night and you wish it were morning. 
You're not enjoying any one of the 24 hours in a day when you're under a curse. And you look at the nations of the world that have rejected Christ and gone after false religions and false Christs and prophets, and I want to promise you, and i got to think of the Jews here too. Didn't they and haven't they so many times through the centuries, 21 centuries since Christ, when Jesus came up to Jerusalem and it says he wept, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her wings, but you, or her, her chicks, but you would not. And now not one stone's going to be left on another and you're going to be torn down by enemies because you knew not the day of your visitation. And because they had rejected Christ and rejected grace and rejected faith, 70 years after Jesus said that, Titus brought the Roman legions in. And what happened to Jerusalem in that carnage is the worst per square foot of any bloodshed ever been shed on the earth before or since. Over a million Jews were slaughtered. It was awful. They were under a curse. And then after Jerusalem was destroyed, they were dispersed through the nations of the world. Everywhere they went, they were persecuted. Everywhere they went, they were rejected. And it culminated in nightmares like Hitler's Nazi Germany. And don't you know, in that Holocaust, they woke up in the morning and said, would to God it were evening. And in the evening, would God it were morning. Can I tell you solemnly tonight, there are serious consequences for rejecting grace. I'm serious, church. Serious consequences. When you turn God away and God knocks by grace, he, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, you must open the door. You've got the key and you must open the door. I will come into him. And we'll sup with him and he with me. But if you keep the key in your hand and you keep it locked and you turn grace away, there's nothing but catastrophe down the road. I promise you. Our nation has rejected Christ, has rejected God. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I don't claim to be a prophet, but I am a Bible student. I study that Bible all the time. And I want to tell you, I can't see any way... America avoids judgment. No way. No way. Now, you say, what does that mean for you and me? Well, he's always protected his own during judgment. But for me, I believe America is in for some harsh, harsh judgments. Because daily, we aren't just walking away from God, but we are flaunting our sin in his face. And we're turning grace away. Now, as Jesus told Jerusalem, and as it was so true, 70 years later, the prophet Jesus had been exactly right. Armies surrounded Jerusalem. They starved them out. There was cannibalism within, within the inside of Jerusalem. The Christians who had heard his words, where he said, when you see armies surround Jerusalem, don't even go down and get your stuff out of the house, but flee and go to the mountains. There was a pause, a supernatural pause 
when Titus's legions were surrounding Jerusalem, there was a pause where Titus had to leave and go and take care of something and then come back and finish the siege. And when he left, it was an open window for those who knew the words of Jesus to get out. And so those that knew the words of Jesus, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, flee to the mountains, don't even go back in to get your stuff. You flee and escape that place. All the Christians fled. And do you know that every history account I've read, I mean, secular historians, Josephus and others, not one Christian died in that siege because they were all gone because they listened to the words of their prophet, Jesus. But oh, what a price you pay when you reject grace. In the morning, you'll say, I wish it were evening. Evening, you'll say, would God it were morning. That's a picture of people who have rejected grace. How about that, Paul wants to know. You really want to place yourself back under the law? (laughs) I can hear them saying, no, no, no. If so, then make sure you keep it all, Paul says. Every jot and tittle of it, every verse and line, every duty and demand, you be sure you keep all of it or you're going to be cursed. If you fail, quote, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Thank God Jesus lived a sinless life for you and me. He never sinned. Uh, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He lived the life that we couldn't live. And when we put our faith in him, his perfect life is imputed to us. Isn't that beautiful? So God looks at every one of us and says, righteous, righteous, righteous. Well, so obeying the law wasn't a very cheerful prospect. What a horrible thing to put in the place of God's free salvation his matchless grace, and his place of rich blessing. Going back to the law. But even should any of them try it, Paul reminds them, verse 11, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. We say that together. The just shall live by faith. The latter part of that verse is taken from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And it's quoted three times in the New Testament. Habakkuk lived in a day when judgment for Israel was inevitable and imminent. I think we're in that place right now. Now, God had revealed to the prophet that he would use the Babylonians to be the instrument in his hand for thrashing the Jewish people. Now, Habakkuk had a problem with that. I can understand the problem. He said, wait a minute, the Babylonians are ruthless, bloodthirsty, wretched, barbaric murderers. How can you use a group of people worse than us to chasten us? That's not right. There's something wrong with that picture Habakkuk said. He had a real problem with this. How could God use a people even more wicked than his own people to serve as the chastening rod? And God's answer was short and simple. Say it with me. Trust me. In the same way as it relates to our salvation, we are to trust him. In Habakkuk's prophecy, the accent, the just shall live by faith, the accent is placed on the words shall live. It does not read the just by his faith, but it reads exactly like this from the Hebrew. A just one by his faith shall live. Now that's talking about forward. That's talking about the future. The word live points to 
uh, forward to the future life. The contrast is drawn, not between faith and unbelief, but between the doom of the unbeliever and the prospect of the believer. The unbeliever shall die by his unbelief, but the, but the righteous person by their faith shall live forever. Our faith is the means by which we are saved for how long? You know, your eternal life has already begun. You're not going to die and go into eternal life. Your eternal life has already begun. The minute you got saved, you started your eternal life. Yeah, you did. It's just going to go on after you die, but it began when you got saved. Now, uh, so we're saved forever, not by works, but by faith. Now, next, Paul again harps on the nature of the law, which is to do, do, do. Verse 12, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. The law says do, grace says done. On the cross, Jesus cried, it is finished. All of the doing had been done. By faith, we cross over from death to life, from trying to trusting and from a system that says do to a salvation that says done. Can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord for that right now? Lord, we just praise you for so great a salvation. Lord, I'm just moved by your word at this moment. We just praise you. That, Lord, you haven't turned us over to our own works and devices, but Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Ah, Lord, he paid a debt he didn't owe. And I owed a debt I could never have paid. I needed somebody to wash my sin away. And Lord, we thank you for grace, amazing grace, stunning grace, radical grace, crazy grace, reaching grace. Thank you, Lord. Can you just say, Lord, thank you for grace? Now, the good news, everybody, is the curse of the law was removed by Christ. Look at verse 13 and 14. And here Paul is really preaching. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everybody who hangs on a tree. Now I want you to stop a minute and I want to tell you that that last quote, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, is out of the Old Testament. And I believe that that verse is one of the reasons why Saul, before he was Paul, could not accept Christ. I'm going to show you why. He says, he says, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit. How? Through faith. Now, Paul quotes from Deuteronomy 21, verse 23. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, this one passage, I believe, had been the most difficult thing for Saul, the arch persecutor of the church. The Old Testament law read, quote, if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou shalt hang him on a tree, his body shall remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day or the next day. For, said Moses in Deuteronomy, 
He that is hanged is accursed of God. When Paul was Saul, he was very familiar with that passage because he was a master of the Old Testament, taught under Gamaliel. And it was this that he stumbled over. Wait a minute. How could God's anointed Messiah be hanged on an accursed tree? This message of Jesus, y'all are going around preaching, it can't be. Because he died on a cross. And you obviously don't know your Old Testament, said Saul. Because my Old Testament says that any, anybody hanged on a tree is cursed of God. So you're telling me the Messiah is cursed of God? I don't think so. You are deceived. And I believe he stumbled over this passage. Might be one of the reasons he was so furious at them, all the Christians, because he, he couldn't understand this. But then he got light. Because for Saul, this made the claims of Christ false and blasphemous. He had died under the direct curse of God. He couldn't have been the Messiah. For Saul, this was the most impossible thing about Christianity. But then he met the risen Lord and saw the nail prints in his hands and feet. From then on, the fact that Christ had indeed died under God's curse became the most impressive thing about Christianity. Why? Because it had been necessary for Christ to die under the curse. Only thus could the curse itself be removed. He took the curse for us. If he hadn't taken the curse for us, we couldn't have the curse taken off of us. But Paul woke up one day and said, wow, I get it now. Of course the Messiah died on a tree and was cursed of God because we were cursed of God and he took our curse for us. We were sinners and he took the judgment for us. We were going to die and he died for us. Come on, everybody. Man, so all that destitute and disease and deportation and all those curses, Jesus took on himself. It's so powerful. When Christ died on the cross, all the terrible curses reserved for the breakers of the law were aimed directly at him like arrows from a quiver. Zoop, zoop, zoop. Man. Powerful stuff. So, zoom, disease, he took it. Zoom, destitution, he took it. He became a curse for us. Paul said, I get it now. Hallelujah. He died on a tree, the very symbol of the curse of the law. And he died wearing a crown of thorns, the very symbol of the curse from the fall. And praise God, the blessing received through Christ Jesus is, read it with me, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. You're a Gentile. Give him praise. Amen. Glory to God. Well, by now, the Galatians are totally under conviction. Can't you just imagine it? I mean, they are just, they are being hit from every side with Paul's logic and truth. He says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, what was the blessing of Abraham? It was salvation by faith. When he says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, what was the blessing of Abraham? It wasn't his money. Hello, church. It wasn't his riches. 
That's not what it was. Well, he was rich. He was the richest man on earth. That's not the blessing of Abraham. He could have been rich and still gone to hell. The blessing of Abraham was salvation. He was declared righteous by faith and he was saved. And that blessing of Abraham, salvation by faith, has come upon the Gentiles. What an inspiring message from Pastor Jeff. Today on Hardwired, we learned that if you want to avoid the lies of this world and experience real peace, you need to surrender your heart to the Lord. He has always been beckoning you to enter His kingdom, and all you need to do is accept the call. Be forever transformed by the power of His grace and be a transformed creation. Stop allowing the letdowns of this world to hold you hostage and find your purpose. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Here's more on that. Have you ever experienced abandonment? Have you ever felt part of something fulfilling only to be cast aside when the time is convenient? In his next message, Pastor Jeff explained that if you want to experience an eternal family that will never leave you behind, you need to give your life to Christ. He has a family that is waiting to make lasting changes in your life. Be transformed through the power of God's perfect love. Be accepted by a Father who won't let you down. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we study God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.